Hello and welcome to Saturday's Cosmic Creating Show. Uh, in case you missed it, uh, I'm now doing two shows a week. The other one is on a Wednesday and it's going out at 4pm Mountain Time, which is my time zone. That'll be 6 o'clock Eastern Time. So that gives me a chance to really keep up with what's going on during the week because there is so much happening at the moment I can't fit it all into one show so I hope you'll join me on Wednesdays as well as Saturday. So today is the 26th of February 2022 and the title of today's show is Russia Ukraine PSYOP. What's really going on? And that's really filled the news everywhere. And it's very interesting when you dig a little deeper and don't watch the mainstream media, how different the real news is from what is being um, force fed to people via the mainstream media. So I've got quite a lot to share today. And um, just as a reminder, before I get started, you can find me at the successalchemist.net, the webalchemist.net, empoweredmanifestation.com, and on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist, on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw. So I'm going to start with some social media posts that have been very interesting, and then I'm going to cover um, Patel Patriots devolution 17 edition because this is very much about the background to ukraine and um biden the the two biden's involvement in it um you've got joe biden and hunter biden and also it's worth pointing out that um there are other family members of democrats involved in ukraine as well well in fact not just democrats uh, John Kerry, Pelosi, and a another. I've just forgotten who the other one is. But, um, you know, the corruption runs deep, shall we say. So I'm going to start actually with um, a video that was posted on Telegram. So I hope it'll come over loud and clear. Let's go. Be warned, this is not the kind of video you see on TikTok. I'm fourth generation from Kiev. My family's 100% Ukrainian. I got to tell you, folks, I support what Putin's doing. Ukraine is so evil. Ukrainian people are so corrupt, so evil, such liars, thieves. The fact that President Biden and his son have corrupt dealings with Ukraine and still get elected gives you a situation as to why he's invading. Biden and Hunter stand to lose billions if Putin takes over Ukraine. I'm sorry, folks. I'm Ukrainian, and I support this invasion 100%. He's not going to touch Eastern Europe. Everybody needs to chill out. There's a lot more going on than meets the eye. There's a whole lot under the table, and there's a massive mafia in Ukraine. How about the whole country? So that gives a hint as to what's really going on in Ukraine, basically doing a major house cleaning. And I've said for oh, years now that Putin, in my opinion, is a white hat and is working with the alliance, or is part of the alliance, involved in the takedown of the deep state. So also, I, obviously, I don't watch mainstream media, but people have been sharing on social media uh, some very interesting points about the, the coverage that's been put out there. I'm going to go down a thread which was put on Twitter by Sir Mood 2022, which is his handle is at the Mood 2020. Actually, I've never seen a full scale invasion lacking so much evidence of its existence. There's something going on in Ukraine, but it certainly isn't what they're telling us. There's sanctions, though, and lots of them. They certainly won't affect Putin, but they'll send our cost of living even higher. Nothing to show for it, though. Why? And this is um, a response to AFP news agency breaking loud explosions heard in central Kiev. And um, they're not showing any um, footage re related to that. 
I'm only asking questions after watching the West indiscriminately bomb anything that moved in the Middle East for decades. I don't want us to be propagandized into another forever war and globalist agenda without solid receipts. I'm less than convinced thus far. And then he shares a tweet by Jiminy Cricket. Spanish mainstream media fakes their report on Ukraine using a video game. The anchor says... Watch how a Russian plane bombards a village. The screen on the left shows the images from the game Armour 3, which is an open-world, realism-based, military-tactical shooter video. So, as one example. Um, nothing concrete there at all. Little sound bites that are totally unverifiable and most have been debunked by the BBC, no less. That's in response to somebody posting Ukraine war video report. Another tweet, which is this time from Space Monkey. Same as COVID, same as wars. You are all being played as always. Real evidence, real proof is the only truth. And he shows a screenshot of a news report Um Russia bombarding in Ukraine. It's actually in German, I think. And it shows this uh, image of an explosion. And he also shows another re news report, which was um, titled Tianjin China Explosion 2015. So it's another case of them using false images to report on what's going on in Ukraine. Oh, and back to what I was saying about um, people's involvement in, uh, in Ukraine. Biden's son, Romney's son, Pelosi's son, Kerry's son are all on the board of directors for energy companies doing business in Ukraine. And then further down the thread, uh, Barb Ellen actually post Russia is not the enemy. Ukraine is the home of the Kazarian Mafia, deep state, think Hunter Biden, fraudulent money laundering in the Ukraine, child trafficking, etc. Why do you think Biden, NATO and other corrupt countries like here are absolutely shitting themselves? And there is also a link to an article related to biolabs. Um, this is on Seymour Rock. And it's talking about the secret US biolabs in Ukraine. And people are saying that um, it's these that are being bombed by Putin because, you know, they're working on gain of function bioweapons close to the Russian border. This was from March 28, 2021. I'm not going to go through all of it, but it basically says in an interview on Ukraine, Russell in quotes, Texas Bentley reveals something that was deep in my memory, that the United States have secret bioweapons laboratories in Ukraine and in Georgia. And the title says Ukrainians ask themselves what biolabs supervised by the U.S. Department of Defense might be doing in Ukraine. And this was published 23rd of April 2020. On April 23rd, the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine acknowledged that there are biological laboratories in Ukraine that are under the control of the Pentagon. The statement of diplomats came after an open letter from people's deputies about the threats posed by these research centers to Ukrainians. However, the Americans deny the threats and say that scientific work is being carried out for exclusively peaceful purposes and talk of threats is written off as Russian disinformation. So, <laughs> yet another um, case of speaking with forked tongue. And um, what I've also read this morning is that the um, PDFs, the information about these biolabs has been taken offline. So there's obviously something to this story. I'm going to move on to um, a, a response to a post on Facebook. And this is basically saying all the reasons why um, the mainstream media story is completely false. And it's in response to uh, a c contact of mine saying, 
The West needs to turn off MasterCard, Visa, BIC, SWIFT, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Western Union and all other forms of money transfer that is used in Russia. And NATO needs to impose a no-fly zone for Russian aircraft over Ukraine. So I'm not going to mention his name. Obviously, he's drunk the Kool-Aid. Um, and the response is the thing that I'm going to cover because, um, you know, people are disagreeing with this. And it started by saying how people forget history, or should I say how globalists conveniently ignore Russian history and what Putin has done to protect it from Rothschild et al. The truth about Ukraine. Putin bans Rothschilds from Russia. Vladimir Putin banned Jacob Rothschild and his banking cartel family from entering Russian territory under any circumstances. Putin recently reminded his cabinet that he paid off the Rothschilds' debt and grabbed them by the scruff of the neck and kicked them out Russia's back door. This meeting featured the president pounding his fist on the table and vowing to destroy the controlling elites of the world. And according to a Kremlin source, Putin is making great strides towards this goal, in brackets, Kazakhstan, S exclamation mark. They do not own the world and they do not have carte blanche to do whatever they want. If we do not challenge them, there will be other issues. We will not be bullied by them. It is understood that the Rothschild banking racket was a noose tied around the neck of the Russian economy. Once the knot was tightened, the economy would struggle and choke. Early in his presidency, he made a priority of uniting Russia socially, spiritually and economically. He ordered the arrest of the Rothschild-backed oligarch Mikhail Khodorkovsky, who had made Rothschild, Henry Kissinger and Arthur Hartman directors of the Open Russia Foundation. A keen student of history, well-versed in world affairs, the Russian president has studied the history of the world's most elusive organisation and understands the central role their financial collaborators have played in fomenting the major international conflicts of the 20th century. Now the bankers stroke globalists want to plunge us into World War Three. The controlling elite, invasive roots and branches keep spreading around the world, but President Putin has stopped them expanding into Russia. This is a major blow to their plans for world domination, and now they view him as a real threat. He's got them running scared, which is why he is degraded in the Western media at every opportunity. Remind you of anyone called Trump? The reality is that Putin is leading us towards a multipolar world, far from the one government, one religion future, plotted by the elites and their political puppets, followed by mindless minions. When he took his forces into Syria to protect a sovereign state, he further enhanced his reputation as a powerful leader. This is not a direct threat to Europe or NATO. It is sending a clear and present message to those behind BlackRock, the WEF and their Great Reset, New World Order agenda and the Western governments. Putin has also gone on record internally in the media in the last 48 hours to say he has the evidence behind 9-11 and the election citing the treason and treachery. Remember the raid on the CIA farm in Frankfurt, Germany regarding Dominion voting machines and their servers? the raid in on the CIA-protected facility where no one knew who had the servers and thought it was the CIA. It is actually the Russians who have the evidence. He is doing this to further awaken people around the world as many more have started to wake up and notice. Uh, it goes on, breaking news, Putin's made a direct appeal to the military forces of Ukraine in his early Thursday speech. The Russian president had a message to the armed forces of Ukraine as he announced a special military operation in Donbass. Tells them, your fathers, grandfathers and great-grandfathers did not fight defending our common homeland for today's neo-Nazis to seize power. You took an oath of allegiance to the Ukrainian people, not to the anti-people junta that robs it and mocks your country. Putin urged Ukraine's forces to immediately lay down your arms and go home. The Russian president 
assured all servicemen of the Ukrainian army who make this decision will be able to leave the combat zone without hindrance. All responsibility for the bloodshed will be on the conscience of the ruling regime of Ukraine. And there's a link to Intel Ops, uh, which I think is a source of that. And then the same person goes on, Ukraine is a money laundering system for the deep state and globalist syndicates. Crimea broke away from Ukraine during Obama regime and now the leaders of Donetsk or Donbass and Lugansk and Putin are signing papers for them to break away from Ukraine. The people of these regions want this and are celebrating presently. Biden thought he was going to create a false flag war in these regions, but they are claiming their independence from Ukraine and there's no reason for Biden to try to claim this now. Putin is not invading anything. He instead has decided to help those regions break away peace through strength. Any presence of Russia in these areas are peacekeeping troops because other parts of Ukraine are under deep state control still. Putin does not want New World Order and is working with others in alliance to stop it. And I believe Zelensky wants the criminal regime out of Ukraine. Whatever you're hearing... In news is fake, phony and opposite of what's really happening. America has no reason to be in Ukraine except Biden and Deep State want to cover up the crimes there. Biden wants this because Ukraine holds the goods on him. Ukraine is going to be exposed for the money laundering system it's been to the globalist Deep State criminals and Biden has no reason to be there trying to push a war. No one is dying and nothing is happening. It's created by criminal syndicates. You may see false flags claiming people are dying, but this is not true. Putin has cut Biden off at the pass and helping the regions Biden claims he's invading gain independence from Ukraine instead. Biden might as well stop the propaganda because Putin has ended it by signing with leaders of these two regions independence from Ukraine. It's over except for the false flag they will still try. Expect in the near future to see the real crimes that happened in Ukraine by our own government and world globalists like Klaus Schwab and Soros, Pelosi, Obama, Clintons, Macron, Johnson, Merkel uh, and all the WEF puppets. Ukraine is one of the biggest donors to the Clinton Foundation and nothing but a criminal syndicate money laundering system. Putin doesn't want new world order. Zelensky and Putin are working together to destroy Ukraine money laundering syndicate. Nothing is what it seems. DuckDuckGo, Donetsk and Lugansk declare independence from Ukraine with Putin and their leadership and are celebrating today. Crimea already claimed its independence. This is a white hat operation but news and deep state making it look opposite of what it is. Anyone can post a fake explosion. Enjoy the takedown of Ukraine criminal syndicate by the good guys working together. And there's a couple of images shared. One is of Putin. It says, let this sink in. In November of 2015, Jacob Rothschild accused Vladimir Putin of being a traitor to the New World Order. That says it all, doesn't it? And then there's another one, uh, Ukrainian Nazi soldiers holding up their swastika flag. Is this what Putin meant by announcing he is conducting a military operation for the denazification of Ukraine? Um, and then it's showing um, what are the odds of four people all having children working for Ukrainian gas companies, um, referring to um, Biden, Pelosi, Kerry and Romney. And then the same person goes on, um, Epiphany or you need more, let me know. And it's a tweet, I think, from DC Drano. Did you know that Ukraine's elected government was overthrown in a revolution after an oil deal was made with Russia and replaced by an EU-friendly government in 2014 when Obama and Biden were in power? Did you know that Hunter Biden got the Burisma oil job in Ukraine that same year? Do you see the deep state money laundering operation yet? The secret US biolabs in Ukraine, March 28th, 2021, in an interview on Ukraine. 
Russell, Texas Bentley reveals something that was deep in my memory, that the United States have secret bioweapons laboratories in Ukraine and in Georgia. That's the article I mentioned a little earlier. But wait, there's more. In the light of Putin's action, I'm sharing this from a close friend with family in the affected area. I solicit your prayer for these families. For eight years, my heart was bleeding for people in my hometown. For eight years, I kept comms with people there. People in Donetsk and Luhansk regions, Donbass, East Ukrainian, have been methodically exterminated by Ukrainian nationalists, neo-Nazis and regular armed forces simply for refusing to live under Kiev's criminal government. People were forced to take up arms to defend themselves and their families fighting for their rights to choose and live. For eight years, children were forced growing up, witnessing death around them, hiding from daily mortar bombardment, artillery shelling and sniper fire. Western media never showed genocide committed there. For eight years, US and NATO was pumping weapons and military equipment into Ukraine. It is shameful that Western media didn't say a word against it when the Ukrainian regime in 2014 came to power by a military coup in spite of all international laws and local referendums, crushing anyone speaking against. When over 40 people were burned alive in Odessa and the perpetrators publicly called it separatist barbecue, no one was arrested. When the Russian population of Ukraine was banned from speaking their language, as armed units of the neo-Nazist right sector under hook crosses and other Nazi symbols on their flags wage war against their own civilians and when towns and villages in Donbass were shelled by artillery and snipers were hunting not just armed men fighting back but women and children, when the former Ukrainian President Poroshenko promised that the children of Donbass will never come out of their cellars and bomb shelters, when President Zelensky in his statement said that Donbass people were blowing themselves up. I'll say more if I could ensure the safety of my family here. I'd be in Donetsk. I'd be shoulder to shoulder fighting against this evil. On the 21st of February 2022, independence of Donetsk and Luhansk republics finally were recognised by the Russian Federation, followed by other countries. By this time, Ukraine concentrated large military contingent, intensifying shelling and preparing for major assault of Donetsk and Luhansk regions. Russia officially promised to help. 24th of February 2022, Russian Federation had no choice but to launch an operation of Ukrainian demilitarization. Russian MOD urged no cities or civilian infrastructure is targeted. And she ends by saying Putin is not the enemy. The corrupt Ukraine bank cartels, Rothschilds, et al. and US governments are the problem. Putin was asked by Ukraine people to help free them. So I mentioned this article from Patel Patriot on Wednesday's show uh, I shared the beginning of it, but as I said at the time, I didn't have time to go through the whole thing. So let's hope I can fit that all in today. And it's Devolution Part 17 from Ukraine with Love. We're all trying to make sense of the madness in Ukraine right now. It's nearly impossible to do so without a free and fair press, as well as a legitimate administration calling the shots. One thing we do know for certain is that Ukraine is the epicentre of de decades-long political corruption. Trump entered office knowing Ukraine would be a major battleground in his war against the deep state. As he did many times before, he made the proper moves and implemented the executive order necessary to dismantle the corrupt network. In this article, I'll give you a clear idea of how Trump defeated all this fraud and corruption. First, a recap. Biden's and Burisma. Before I really dig in, let's get a refresher on Hunter Biden stroke Burisma situation because it provides crucial context to the story. On September 23, 2020, the Senate Homeland Security and Finance Committees released a report on their joint investigation 
into Hunter Biden's role on the board of Ukrainian natural gas firm Burisma Holdings. Let's examine part of the executive summary. And I'm just going to um, cover the highlights um, from this, what um, Patel Patriot has highlighted. In late 2013 and into 2014, mass protests erupted in Kiev, Ukraine, demanding integration into Western economies and an end to systemic corruption that had plagued the country. And it goes on, on April 16, 2014, Vice President Biden met with his son's business partner, Devon Archer, at the White House. Five days later, Vice President Biden visited Ukraine and he soon after was described in the press as the public face of the administration's handling of Ukraine. The day after his visit, on April 22nd, Archer joined the board of Burisma. Six days later, on April 28th, British officials seized $23 million from the London bank accounts of Burisma's owner, Mikola Zlashevsky. Fourteen days later, on May 12th, Hunter Biden joined the board of Burisma. And over the course of the next several years, Hunter Biden and Devon Archer were paid millions of dollars from a corrupt Ukrainian oligarch for their participation on the board. Remember the timeline surrounding Ukraine that I discussed in Devolution Part 14? November 2013, Ukrainian President Viktor Yanukovych refuses to sign the EU Free Trade Agreement. January 2014, Ukrainian President Viktor Yanukovych and Russian President Vladimir Putin announced the signing of an economic deal. We need to continue our joint work of our governments, our working groups, Yanukovych said in a televised news conference. Under the deal, Putin said Moscow would buy $15 billion in Ukrainian debt by investing in its national welfare fund. The cost of Russian gas supplied to Ukraine was cut from more than $400 per thousand cubic metres to $268.50. And then February 2014, Viktor Yanukovych is ousted as president of Ukraine. And Russia considers the overthrow of Yanukovych to be an illegal coup, invades Ukraine, resulting in the annexation of Crimea. Then March 2014, Petro Poshenko becomes president of Ukraine. April 2014, Joe Biden leads U.S. delegation to Kiev, advocation for Ukraine to diminish its reliance on Russian oil. May 2014, Hunter Biden joins the board of directors of Burisma. June 2014, Petro Poshenko signs the EU Free Trade Agreement. The EU spent the better part of a decade trying to lure Ukraine into a free trade pact, but instead they decided to make a deal with Putin and Russia. So what did the EU do? They used their playbook, implemented a colour revolution and installed a leader, Poroshenko, who would play ball. Shortly after the regime change, Biden became the public face of the Obama administration's handling of Ukraine and his son Hunter joined the board of Burisma. Let's look a little closer at what exactly happened surrounding the investigation into Burisma's holdings. Here is a brief summary from ClintonFoundationTimeline.com that provides the sources to back up the story. April 1st, 2014 to present the investigation into Burisma Holdings in email dossier investigations by Kate Weddington. In the spring of 2014, the Ukrainian Prosecutor General's Office opened an investigation at the behest of the UK Prosecutor's Office, which was investigating money laundering allegations against Lachevsky and had just frozen $23.5 million in assets allegedly belonging to him in early April 2014. Shokin, who wasn't appointed as general prosecutor until February 2015, wasn't yet involved in the case. Ukrainian prosecutors refused to provide the UK with needed documents and in January 2015, a British court ordered the assets unfrozen. This action was pointedly carried, called out in a speech by Pyatt who stated... In the case of 
former ecology minister Mikola Zlochevsky, the UK authorities had seized $23 million in illicit assets that belonged to the Ukrainian people. Instead of receiving cooperation from Ukrainian prosecutors, they sent letters to Zlochevsky's attorneys attesting that there was no case against him. As a result, the money was freed by the UK court and shortly thereafter, the money was moved to Cyprus. On February 10, 2015, Shokin was appointed Prosecutor General of Ukraine and he picked up the investigation into Burisma, which reportedly continued until his formal resignation in February 2016. Around the same time that Zlochevsky's assets were being frozen in the UK, Burisma appointed Hunter Biden to its board on April 18, 2014. Hunter's compensation had never been disclosed by Burisma, which is a private company, but Ryan Tuhi, a Burisma spokesman, told the New York Times that Biden's compensation was not out of the ordinary for similar board positions. However, according to the Hills reporting, Hunter Biden's firm, Rosemont Seneca Partners, was receiving regular payments, usually more than $166,000 a month, from Burisma. The payments ran from the spring of 2014 through the fall of 2015 and reportedly totaled more than $3 million. The Hill article included a written answer from Shokin, who told Solomon that his investigation into Burisma had included plans for interrogations and other crime investigation procedures into all members of the executive board, including Hunter Biden. According to Ukrainian Prosecutor General Yuri Lutsenko, following Shokin's forced dismissal, the Burisma investigation was transferred to Sitnik's NABU, NABU, which then reportedly closed the investigation sometime in 2016. The Kiev Post on March 27th published an editorial written by three members of the Anti-Corruption Action Centre in Kiev that disputed Lutsenko's interview with The Hill. They claim that two cases relating to Burisma are still being investigated by NABU. Two cases regarding the extraction of licenses by Zlochevsky's companies and embezzlement of public funds at the ministry's procurements during Zlochevsky's ministerial tenure remain active and are investigated by NABU. They also claim that none of the criminal proceedings against Burisma were closed by NABU. They acknowledge that the case concerning illegal issuance of licenses to extract natural resources were transferred to NABU in December 2015, but claim that SAP missed procedural deadlines for a lawsuit on cancelling those licenses. The politics within Ukraine are extremely complicated and corruption is endemic often leading to conflicting accounts of events. And there's also a link, it says, read more, the Epoch Times, 26th of April, 2019. Hunter and Joe Biden were leveraged to prevent Victor Shokin from digging into the corruption unfolding at Burisma. And I shall just read a segment of this following um, inclusion. The fired prosecutor at the centre of the Ukraine controversy said during a private interview with President Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, earlier this year, that he was told to back off an investigation involving a natural gas firm that was linked to Joe Biden's son, according to details of that interview that were handed over to Congress by the State Department's Inspector General Wednesday. Fox News obtained a copy of Giuliani's notes from his January 2019 interview with fired Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin, in which he claimed that his investigation stopped out of fear of the United States. And I'm going to jump to the bottom here. The substance of President Trump and Rudy Giuliani's claims has been roundly discredited, Biden Deputy Campaign Manager Kate Bedingfield said last week. This is not a claim from the campaign or Joe Biden. This is an irrefutable fact. And then it includes the video of Biden at the um, Council on Foreign Relations where he bragged about the fact that um, he held Ukraine hostage um, in terms of, I think, billions of dollars in um, 
in aid from the US if they wouldn't fire Shokin from the investigation. So, so the article from Patel Patriot continues. So again, this shouldn't be new information to any of us. We have been talking about Joe Biden's conflict of interest regarding Hunter's shady ties to Burisma for m- multiple years now, but there is much more to the story. E. Hall Kolomoisky, before we get into the really juicy stuff, let's familiarise ourselves with E. Hall Kolomoisky. Look at this Twitter thread recently posted by at Dawson S. Field regarding a story published in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Well, I guess we know where Ihor Kolomoisky sent all that missing private bank money through Deutsche Bank and into the US banks and real estate. $4.45 billion were moved. US real estate is very easy to seize with a DOJ court order signed by a district judge. Hashtag, but nothing's happening. And it's showing a tweet by Michael Saller. Exclusive, newly unsealed court records show Ukraine oligarch moved billions, not millions, through U.S. banks as he and his partners amassed a U.S. real estate empire. Deutsche Bank was the big one. And then another tweet from Dawson S. Field. The money was moved from 2006 to 2015 while banks looked the other way as Ukraine was looted while U.S. taxpayers bailed them out. And then another one, these crooks bankrupted and destroyed these steel mills and other sites they bought just to launder the money through them. And there's a screenshot of an article. Um, One of the richest men in Ukraine, the 59-year-old oligarch, is accused of setting up shell companies, cleaning the money through U.S. properties and ultimately leaving a trail of boarded-up buildings, failed steel facilities and millions in unpaid property taxes, court records show. From 2006 to 2015, Ihor Kolomoisky stole $4.45 billion from Private Bank, a bank he owned, and laundered it through the United States through purchasing mass amounts of real estate. What Dawson is referring to by banks look the other way as Ukraine was looted while U.S. taxpayers bailed them out, was the money given to Ukraine through the IMF. A gentleman named John Helmer has done extensive research on this topic and has multiple articles you can find at his site with sourced information. Here is a pretty good synopsis from one of those articles. When Igor Kolomoisky financed anti-Russian units operating with the Ukrainian army in the Ukrainian Civil War, He was a staunch ally of Petro Poroshenko's government in Kiev and the Obama administration's chief Ukraine policymakers, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and her assistant secretary for European affairs, Victoria Nuland. They in turn dominated the voting on the board of directors of the International Monetary Fund, led by managing director Christine Lagarde. Following the US regime change, which installed Poroshenko's regime in the spring of 2014, the IMF voted massive loans for the Ukraine to replace the Russian financing on which the regime of Viktor Yanukovych had depended. More than a third of the fresh IMF money was paid out by the National Bank of Ukraine, NBU, the state central bank into private bank controlled by Kolomoisky and his partner Gennady Bogoloyabov. Oh, that's a hard one to pronounce. At the time, investigations of Kolomoisky's business and banking practices and the special relationship he cultivated with the NBU reported he was stealing the money through a pyramid of front companies, lending each other the IMF cash which was not intended to be repaid. Clinton, Newland, Lagarde and the IMF staff and board of directors ignored the evidence as they continued to top up Kolomoisky's pyramid. Criminal investigations by the US Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation were also reported at the time they were neutralised by their superiors. The article continues, this is merely the tip of the iceberg, but it has led me to believe there is a much larger connection being glossed over surrounding the 2014 regime change in Ukraine and the Biden family. 
That connection is this. Is it possible that Kolomoisky's money laundering is the real reason for the Bidens getting involved in Ukraine? It is rumoured that private bank and therefore Kolomoisky are the actual owners of Burisma. And it says here are some screenshots from a PJ Media article dated March 21st, 2018. In the last days of the Obama administration, Vice President Joe Biden took a swan song trip to Ukraine, a notoriously corrupt country where he had been the administration's point person. On the eve of this trip, the country announced it would end a criminal investigation into a company connected to the loss of $1.8 billion in aid funding, a company whose board of directors included Biden's son, Hunter. The Biden family's dealings with this Ukrainian company involved getting one of the country's most notorious mob bankers, Ihor Kolomoisky, off the US government visa ban list. Under Biden's leadership, $3 billion in aid went to Ukraine and his son's company was implicated in the disappearance of $1.8 billion of that money. And then it goes into a lot of detail about the role of um, Hunter Biden and Devon Archer in Burisma and um, ends with saying that Joe Biden got Burisma off the hook by getting the investigator fired. So it's rumoured that Kolomoisky, through private bank and private group, is the actual owner of Burisma. How much circumstantial evidence can we find that lends to that conclusion? As mentioned in the Dawson Field thread earlier, Ihor Kolomoisky is under investigation here in the United States. The US DOJ currently has two complaints opened against him, Louisville Properties Complaint and Dallas Properties Complaint. These complaints provide us with some great insight into how Kolomoisky has been operating his money laundering schemes. Here is a snippet contained verbatim in both complaints. Kolomoisky and Boholiobov laundered the loan proceeds. That was a mouthful. Once the loan or line of credit funds were dispersed, they were quickly combined, divided and commingled in a labyrinth of accounts all over the world. The dizzying series of transfers was designed to disguise the nature, location, source, ownership and control of the fraudulently obtained loan proceeds. Many of the shell companies use the same address. For instance, in Know Your Customer Records, provided to private bank at least 56 separate entities claim to be located at Archipiscopu Macario Third Avenue, 155 Proteus House in Limassol, Cyprus. They also use the same few registered agents repeatedly. And uh, Patel Patriot goes on, I highlighted that address because it happens to be the same address listed as the registered office for a business we are very familiar with. Here is a screenshot from the Cyprus Organisation Registry website. And the company concerned is Burisma Holdings. This is more interesting than it is damning. As stated in the US DOJ complaints, that address is used for numerous shell companies involved in fraud and embezzlement. It doesn't necessarily tie Kolomoisky or private bank to Burisma, but it is one of a series of pieces of evidence that together appear to do so. While still on the Cyprus Organisation Registry website, you can look at the directors and secretaries for Burisma. The name is actually in Greek. Uh, it says this name is actually used on many shell companies connected to Kolomoisky. And he's got the English translation of the name and it's Christina Sophocleus. Sophocleus. Something like that. Christina Sophocleus works at her father's law firm, Andreas M. Sophocleus and Co. LLC. Uh, Mrs. Christina Sophocleus was born in Moscow, Russia in 1990. She graduated in law with honours from the University of Kent and she obtained her LLM with merit at University College London. She then completed the Russian language course at People's Friendship University of Moscow. We know that Christina is Andreas's daughter based on an interview transcript posted on the Sophocles 
foundation.org website. Uh, Andrea Sophocles, indeed she is my rock. If you live with my rhythm and you do not have a person supporting you, you lose your momentum. We are together for 32 years. Azukina Sophocles, we are alike at many things. We are interested in common things, but we are also distinguished personalities. You were still in Russia when you had your daughter. Are your two children lawyers? Andreas Sophocles, they had no choice, laughs. Ernesto is studying law while Christina is already a lawyer. The Andreas M. Sophocles and Company LLC law firm also shares that same address carried by the registered office for Burisma, as well as all the shell companies listed in the complaints referenced earlier. So how is Andreas Sophocles connected to Ehorg Kolomoisky? Based on Private Bank's own annual reports from 2014 and 2016, both Andreas and Ehor are listed as shareholders of Private Bank. So let's catch our breath. Burisma is registered in the Cyprus Registry database to the same address as multiple shell companies used by Kolomoisky referenced in two USDOJ complaints. Christina Sophocles is the director of Burisma, as listed on the Cyprus Registry database. Christina Sophocles works for her father, Andreas, at the Andreas M. Sophocles & Company, LLC. Andreas is one of the owners stroke shareholders of Private Bank, just like Kolomoisky. So far, we have some interesting connections, but haven't really made anything definitive. After spending nearly two weeks trying to find something concrete, this was the best I was able to do. I stumbled across a reference to Kolomoisky owning Burisma on a website that had an article called Kings of Ukrainian Gas. When I clicked on the link, it had been deleted and no longer existed. Luckily, somebody was wise enough to archive the link. I'm going to provide screenshots from the end of the article, but the entire thing is worth the read. I'm just going to read a little bit of this because otherwise I won't have time to finish the article. Um, there are about 3 billion cubic metres of gas in these fields. That's not much. So why is Yanukovych's son so interested in them? There are no good specialists in his company or else they themselves may not know that this is a poor gas field or else they know it for a fact but don't tell him the truth and he believes them. We know that Alexander Yanukovych cannot be considered an outstanding businessman. We've heard that repeatedly from different sources. The situation in the gas market partly confirms this assertion. In fact, the tastiest and largest morsels, gas fields, were obtained not by the president's son, but by a more experienced businessman, Ihar Kolomoisky. The summary of all that is from a deleted article written in August of 2012. It is reported from first-hand sources that Ihor Kolomoisky, through his controlling stake in private group, owns Burisma. I can't show you purchase agreements for the transfer of ownership, but there are three interesting connections now, including the first-hand source linking Kolomoisky to Burisma. Doesn't this make a little bit more sense of the Ukrainian situation we've seen unfold since 2014? Clinton scandals. As I said earlier, this is just the tip of the iceberg regarding corruption in Ukraine and the United States government. Victor Pinchuk and George Soros are known to be involved with the political establishment as well. And it highlights uh, the Clintons received millions from Ukrainians over the years in donations to the Clinton Foundation. Uh, last October, the Gateway Pundit reported Obama's state and justice departments were assisting Soros in an attempt to control Ukraine. Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York and President Trump's attorney, said in a recent interview the corruption in the Ukraine doesn't stop with the Bidens, naming Soros as well. The Epoch Times reported Soros and a group of wealthy donors from New York and California paid $50 million to sustain the investigation of Trump by former British spy Christopher Steele, the research firm Fusion GPS, and a former staffer for Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein of California. The revelation, the Epoch Times said, is part of the final report on Russian interference in the 2016 election, released April 27th, 
by the House Intelligence Committee. The report concluded there was no evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. Trump told us he was going to drain the swamp. Part of that would involve cleaning up the corruption in Ukraine as well. That is why he brought up two different scandals in the July 2019 phone call that led to his impeachment. The first scandal he brought up was Spygate by mentioning CrowdStrike and the DNC server. The second scandal Trump mentioned was the firing of the prosecutor looking into Burisma. Now let's look at this interesting timeline surrounding the Durham investigation. September 24th, Fox News reports that Durham has assumed parts of the Huber investigation into the Clinton Foundation. September 25th, the White House releases a transcript of Trump's second call with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, which took place on July 25th, 2019. The White House would later release the transcript of Trump's first call on November 15th, 2019. The DOJ issues a statement on Trump's call, this is September 25th, with the Ukrainian president. The DOJ statement also notes that Durham is separately exploring the extent to which a number of countries, including Ukraine, played a role in the counterintelligence investigation directed at the Trump campaign and notes that certain Ukrainians who are not members of the government have volunteered information to Mr. Durham, which he is evaluating. The day after, it's reported that Durham assumed parts of the Hoover investigation into the Clinton Foundation, we get confirmation that Durham is also exploring the extent to which a number of countries, including Ukraine, played a role in the counterintelligence investigation directed at the Trump campaign. Given what we know about the Ukrainians and the Clinton Foundation, the timing of these revelations is interesting. Ukraine is clearly one of the primary battlegrounds in Trump's war against the deep state. How does he intend to defeat his enemies? Executive Order 13818, blocking the property of persons involved in serious human rights abuse or corruption, which was dated December 20th, 2017, is similar in structure to one of the other most important executive orders we will see put to use in the future. Executive Order 13848, imposing certain sanctions in the event of foreign interference in a United States election. Both are wide in their scope and both will be used to dismantle the deep state and all its accomplices. I'm not going to read all the um, screenshots of these executive orders. I'm just going to focus on Patel Patriot's conclusions. So the first two subsets of individuals this executive order affects are those listed in the annex and then those specific foreign individuals who the Secretary of the Treasury, in consultation with the Secretary of State and the Attorney General, have determined to have perpetrated the actions described above. And this is the executive order blocking the property of persons involved in serious human rights abuse or corruption. And it goes on to say, so far, this executive order applies only to foreign individuals. That is where this third subset comes in. And this executive order gets really good. It says any person determined by the Secretary of the Treasury in consultation with the Secretary of State and the Attorney General. In this third subset of individuals, the word foreign is left off. So this could pertain to anybody at home or abroad to have materially assisted, sponsored or provided financial, material or technological support for or goods or services to or in support of I'm going to um, summarise these. Any activity that is conducted by a foreign person any person whose property and interests in property are blocked pursuant to this order or any entity, including any government entity that has engaged in or whose members have engaged in any of the activities described in subject subsections, and it goes on to list that, where the activity is conducted by a foreign person. Uh, the next is to be owned or controlled by or to have acted or purported to act for or on behalf of directly or indirectly, any person whose property and interests in property are blocked pursuant to this order or to have attempted to engage 
in any of the activities described in subsections 3a or b of this section. This third section applies to both foreign and domestic individuals and deems anybody who assists or partakes in any corruption in any way or even attempts to do so can have their assets frozen and potentially seized. The executive order continues to ensnare the corrupt political establishment and their funding of NGOs. Hypothetical, let's pretend somebody steals taxpayer dollars and launders it through the United States, then goes on to hire a politician's son through a corrupt company, and then that politician gets the prosecutor investigating it, all fired by withholding a billion dollars. Executive Order 13818 would come into play against, not exhaustive, just spitballing, the one stealing and laundering the money, the politician, the politician's son, any and everybody who was aware of the scheme, anybody who benefited from any of the money that was stolen or paid to the politicians. Executive Order 13818 is truly a catch-all for corruption and its perpetrators. The last key section is one is the one that preserves the element of surprise in apprehending the criminals. Uh, and it says, the highlighted part, there need be no prior notice of a listing or determination made pursuant to this order. The executive order could easily take down the entire corrupt political establishment if and when it is properly used. But there is one aspect to this that needs to be addressed. Just like all executive orders, 13818 draws upon specific authorities to allow the president to put it into effect. Now, what he's drawing attention to is the fact that there is an expiry date on this executive order. And the strange thing is that Biden actually extended the executive orders um, instead of letting them run out. I've had to jump over a few things here because I'm running out of time. So I'm going to the closing now. What Trump did with Executive Order 13818 was brilliant. It's another example of Trump and his team issuing a tool that will be used to dismantle the corrupt political establishment. The sheer scope of this executive order explains exactly why they were so desperate to get Trump out of office by any means necessary. I'm looking at the sunset attached to the Global Magnitsky Human Rights Accountability Act rather optimistically. That's an act he referred to earlier in the article that I haven't had time to cover. It's logical to think that the deep state would want this executive order to go away. So why did Biden reauthorize it in the first place? Just like Executive Order 13848, it made no sense for him to do so. We know the mainstream media turns a blind eye to the corruption of the political establishment. We also know they have turned a blind eye to the election theft of 2020. You could easily go as far as to say they are complicit in the cover-up of both. That doesn't mean the corruption doesn't exist, and it doesn't mean the election theft didn't happen. Both are genuine realities. Here's another genuine reality. Joe Biden isn't the one running the country. His handlers are calling the shots. He is just the dementia-laden face of the deep state. Even so, it makes absolutely zero sense for two of the most impactful executive orders Trump issued to still be in play. Executive orders 13818 and 13848 are all Trump needs to destroy his enemies and get America back on the path of greatness. And this is the only conclusion I can draw from the reauthorization of these two powerful executive orders – the handlers aren't running the country either. How could they be? To me, this is powerful circumstantial evidence that devolution is happening and somebody is forcing their hand. Nothing else explains it. That is why I'm not concerned with the sunset attached to the GMHRAA. For all we know, Trump could have issued a PEAD to continue the GMHRAA authorization regardless of congressional approval. The PEDs give Trump nearly limitless power, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm already of the opinion that Trump will be back before the midterm, so maybe the sunset date is irrelevant. However this unfolds, you can rest assured that Trump was well aware of the corruption that was enriching the political establishment, so he took the steps to rid us of it. The best is yet to come, Patel Patriot. And, you know, this explains also why uh, Trump is actually praising P 
Putin, much to the horror of the deep state players. <laughs> anyway, exciting times. So don't believe everything you see on the mainstream media. So I've run out of time. I hope you've enjoyed the show and that you've found it interesting uh, to dig deep into that Ukraine situation. I hope you'll join me on Wednesday for my next report. And I'd like to thank Nancy for producing, of course. And just to remind you, find me at the successalchemist.net, thewebalchemist.net, empoweredmanifestation.com. And be safe, stay well, and bye for now. You have been listening to the Cosmic Creating Radio Show with Jan Shaw, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Live long and prosper.